Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Dr. Ken Cooper. Dr. Cooper is the lead doctor and president of Cooperstown Chiropractic Wellness Center. In 2016, Dr. Cooper and Cooperstown Chiropractic was awarded the Better Your Best winner for top chiropractic office worldwide chosen by the Ultimate Achievers Club, recognized as the top 1% of the chiropractic profession. And in 2021, Dr. Cooper was honored as the chiropractor of the year. Dr. Cooper began his studies at Cal State Fullerton, where he experienced his own chiropractic miracle. He was so affected by this event that he knew at that moment it was a miracle, and he could do the same thing for others. Dr. Cooper graduated in 1991 from the Los Angeles College of Chiropractic, where he won the prestigious Milden Scholarship for Clinical Excellence. During his 32 years of practice, he has continued his education, including earning a fellowship in chiropractic pediatrics. He has advanced training in clinical nutrition, functional medicine, neuroemotional techniques, and his area of expertise is neuroscience. He specializes in helping the entire family, and today nearly 25% of his practice consists of working with children. In this episode, Dr. Cooper runs us through his healing and novel concussion protocol, and shows us how a simple adjustment in the first 24 hours, much can be prevented and repaired. He also makes us realize how many times concussions go unnoticed and the negative effects it can have on us for years. Dr. Cooper blew my mind in this episode and made me rethink my own family's healthcare methods. Welcome, Dr. Cooper. I'm so excited to have you. I was just saying, I'm so glad we got to steal you from our pro listeners as well. Um, I know you just had a fabulous webinar with them. And I was just saying, we haven't had an episode or any type of discussion on concussions. So I think today is going to be a big one for our listeners and something like you said that they should be taking a lot of notes on because yes. there's going to be a lot of information, but obviously it's very important information. Um, I'd love, you know, for you to tell us a little bit about your story in, you know, one, your journey to becoming a doctor and then how you got focused on concussions as part of your practice um, and what grew that passion. Oh, great. Well, um, <clears throat> when I was first in college, I thought I was going to be like a, a computer science guy. And I had a, a general biology teacher call me into the front of the class. Now, this is one of those stadium classes where there's like 400 students. And he calls me up and I'm like shaking and nervous. And all my friends goes, you're getting thrown out of school. I'm like, I don't know why. But he, he ended up telling me that I was the best biology student he had in the general biology class for the last several years. And he looked at my transcripts and I was a computer science major. And he said, why? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, well, you have to be a biologist. And so that was my road. That was, that was where I actually switched and, you know, going through different um, events in life, uh, playing baseball in college and getting hurt. Um, led me to realize that there was some holes in the traditional medical system. And um, I, I, I found and I was directed to um, a holistic or let's say more vitalistic chiropractor, which I didn't really know what that meant at the time. 
And um, he saved my life and he, and he changed my life. And I knew it was a miracle. And at that moment, I said, you know, if he can do it, I can do that. And so that was, that was the journey. Uh, the thing that I love about what I do is unlike the medical profession, when you're working for uh, a medical group, you, you have somebody above you, an administrator telling you how you're going to treat a patient. And um, the beauty of where I get to exist is I, I don't have to have that. I, you know, I, I don't have somebody telling me how I'm going to treat you. Somebody that doesn't have my experience, somebody that doesn't have my expertise, tell me how I'm going to treat you. And so, um, you know, in, in our center, one of the things we, you know, our, our catalyzing statement is that we educate and inspire, that we create a place of hope where miracles are expected. And that's what we expect. And so that was kind of the, <clears throat> the, the, the start point for me in terms of concussions. So I've been in practice now. This is my 33rd year. Um, if you look at how many people I've actually adjusted, well, we're, we're in Southern California. So real close to us is Angel Stadium. Um, I've adjusted enough people to fill that stadium. I'm filling my 12th time around. That's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, we're we're close to about five hundred thousand people in that time frame. So um, my journey really is a pain to purpose journey. I, I have four children. I have two boys and I have two girls. Uh, both of my boy, all of my kids were athletes. Uh, both of my boys uh, played high school and college football. I, I currently have a son still playing college football. Uh, it's in his senior year. Um, both of my girls were competitive dancers and, um, and, and both won like national titles, like, you know, going to Florida and crazy stuff like that. Just, just hugely successful. But my, my oldest daughter had a terrible experience to have a pretty major concussion at a dance practice. And it was something that was just not supposed to happen. Shouldn't have happened. But it did. And, and I realized how bad it was. And I realized what a change it made. And I realized I got to do something about this. So I had had a lot of experience because of having sons in football um, about how to treat these things. But then really what it came to was now I really had to perfect my skill. And um, I was connected with a doctor who was part of the um, this institute that came out of Harvard that wrote this research on concussion, and it was 83 pages long. 83 pages of research. That it, it's what's called a meta-analysis, but they took data from everywhere and they brought it together. Well, the problem was because it was so huge and so large, it, it was just very difficult to make it functional. So I was tasked to make that a functional protocol. And that's what we did. And that's what we've done. And that's what we use. And we've been enormously successful. We've been, we have cases of people that have millions of uh, views on social media. We have uh, cases that have been picked up by, um, you know, our LA um, media, like CBS, they've run, I think, four different of our stories. And, and I mean, to, to, to get like four minutes or five minutes on LA TV uh, without advertising it, you know, you got to be doing something pretty successful. I was going to so. say, you're, you're a big deal then. Um, yeah. And that's why, and I'm so glad, you know, we will jump into that protocol 
but it's so, it's so much more close to home, right? Like when your passion also starts from something that happened with your child or a family member. And the great thing is it really pushes that drive to figure it out because you're also trying to heal that family member. Um, it's just, it's such a great story and thank you for sharing. And right. I wanted to touch. Yeah. 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 So I, l- let me touch on that really quick because one of the things that we consider <clears throat> when we, when we're trying to put information out to the world, we, we consider who is our avatar and our avatar is a, a, a female. It's a mom that has children that, you know, wants to be healthy, that understands health that wears yoga pants, but probably doesn't go every day. Um, but also has a consideration about, you know, how is the health of their family? How's the health of their, their parents and so on and so forth. So as you say that, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll share with you is the CDC's research about adults, 71% of adults that were over 65 years old that went to the ER went because they hit their head. They fell and they hit their head. So when you, when you really look at this data and you start saying, you know what? Okay, yes, this is a pain to purpose thing. But the data that we're going to share and talk about is not only applicable to your child or to your husband that's like the weekend warrior. It's applicable to like your parents that, you know, don't have the same balance that they used to. And now they've fallen and 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 now here's the sequela. Here's what's going to happen. And now we need to change that. Yeah. I mean, it really hits the whole lifespan. I mean, I think about, so my son, Dr. Cooper is 14 months old. Um, right. But I've thought about even sometimes like, you know, when he slams his head against the wall just for fun or slams right. it against my chest or my head, like those things run through your head. And I want you to just touch on before we dive into the protocol and we were speaking about this before, you know, we hit record, but we automatically a lot of times think sports injuries for concussions, or like you just said, as an elderly person falling, what are some other common like daily activities that you see that can result in concussion or that you see pretty frequently? Well, again, when we talk about like the younger children, when your son gets, well, at about 14 months, he should be starting to walk. Yeah. So once he starts to walk, you have to understand there's two parts of him that are going to be the heaviest parts. And one's going to be his behind and the other part's going to be his head. So when he falls and he's going to fall, he's going to impact. He's going to either land on his tail or he's going to hit his head. It's one or the other. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when we look at that, when we look at, uh, you know, child, um, like kindergarten, I, I was told yesterday at the school that my wife and daughter both uh, teach at that a kindergartner um, hit their head on the jungle gym and had a concussion yesterday. So that will be, you know, somebody yeah. that we want to attend to. And, you know, again, sports and, and even when we're thinking about kids that are not enormously active in, in a sports kind of arena, um, you know, falling and hitting their head and, you know, opening a cabinet or a car door yeah. or an auto accident. Auto accident is a great example of that because you're sitting there, you get hit from behind 
your body's propelled forward, but then the seatbelt grabs hold and then whips you back. Well, your head does that and smacks the inside of the frontal part of the brain. So, you know, a lot of people had this, this, like what we call a whiplash injury and never really realized that all these other things are coming as a result. And, and it's interesting because, you know, my doctors at our team have studied this to such a great degree that in conversation, when somebody says, oh, you know, um, I'm coming because I tore my ACL, we know that you have at least double the chance and sometimes even higher of tearing an ACL after you've had a, a head injury, a, 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 like a concussion or a traumatic, you know, mild traumatic brain injury. So then our questions are like, well, when did you hit your head? Like, well, I didn't. Well, you know, and then we start going through these things. Well, have you ever fallen out of your bed? Have you ever, you know, been in a car accident? Like, oh my gosh, yeah, six months before I was in the car accident. You know, nothing really happened. Well, yeah, you know, a 30 mile an hour impact is equal to you falling from a three-story building. You know, there's definitely an impact. Now, thank God there's no, you know, no bones broken and no guts laying all over the place. And, you know, so in those scenarios, we're always looking for a worst case scenario, but this is why it's so important yeah. in those 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 groups of people to be checked. But how do we know? Like, what are the signs of a concussion, or what you know? What would I look for with my fourteen month old son, or just throughout again throughout that lifespan? Like, does it differ between age groups, or is it like the same signs for everyone? No, it it it, it can be different signs. So, number one, I would tell you without a questionable doubt, mother's intuition is the most powerful thing. You as a mother think there is something different. I can't put my thumb on it. You need to call us. You need to have that child checked. You need to find somebody that does our protocol, right? Because that's what we're trained in. We're trained. We identify those really small nuances. They could be digestive. They could be um, hormonal. They could be, which means like a lack of growth. They could be um, how that person um interacts like their their mental and emotional status it could be depression it could i mean it's a whole host of different things now we all think about the traditional idea of like you know that football player a couple of weeks ago that got you know knocked yeah. out and you, you saw his fingers kind of go into like this crazy spasm and you saw him like try to walk straight and he couldn't even walk straight you know those are those are like pure immediate examples of when that happens, but we just want to, I, I think that when we go through this list, I think that this is what's going to give our listeners the ability to identify what are, what are the most common things that will happen? What are the most common symptoms? And I like, go, oh my gosh, that's happening with my, my, my husband, my son, my daughter, yeah. my parent, my whatever. And then you'll know that like, okay, now we made that connection. Now we need to make, now we need to fix this. If you've listened to many of our expert guests, you know that we all tend to need extra support for our gut health. Whether that's taking a probiotic for optimal digestive and immune support, a digestive enzyme to optimize nutrient availability, or my personal favorite Nordic Naturals Nordic Flora prebiotic powder to support the beneficial probiotic bacteria in your gut and for a good source of fiber, there's gut health support for you, whatever your specific needs may be. And to make digestive and immune health more fun for children, Nordic Naturals offers probiotics in a pixie powder, gummy form, and a powder form for infants that can easily be mixed into room temperature food, formula, or milk. 
Head to Nordic.com and use the code NaturallyWell15 for 15% off all Nordic Naturals digestive support products for adults, children, and infants. Let's jump into um, your typical protocol and what we should all be doing. Okay. So again, there's 12 things that we think a parent needs to know. Um, and, and again, that avatar, it's not just for the parents. It could be for the parent's parent, right? But the 12 things that people need to know that are going to happen as a result of this. And number one, within about three hours of the impact, the intestines are now going to be called permeable. Okay, what does that mean? Well, the intestine, if you could think of your intestine being like the balloon arch that you had for your son's first birthday party, right? This problem would be like a dart popping the balloons. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, that means that inside that intestine, we have um, like a hole that everything's supposed to pass through. And the things that are good should penetrate through the nutrients they'll feed us, but the bad stuff should still go through. Well, when the intestinal permeability, when the intestine has now got these balloons that are missing, now everything passes into that. So what does that mean? Well, that means now your system's overloaded because right outside and right what circles the outside of the intestine is two things. Number one, the lymphatic system the lymph nodes, which is your sewer system, and number two, your bloodstream. So now consider all that fecal material you're supposed to excrete is now getting into your blood and your lymphatic system. Okay. So in the female, where is the lymphatic system in their highest concentration? In the breast. How do we know when lymphatic systems are backed up? Well, because the liver that all the lymphatics drain into gets overwhelmed. It's not able to do that job. And there's one particular part of the month where that's really important. And that's like three or four days before your period starts, because the five high priorities of the liver is number one, to clean the blood. Number two, clean that lymph nodes, the sewer system in the body. Number three, connect and disconnect all your hormones. So like a woman can have a period. Number four, make bile, which is what you store in the gallbladder, helps us digest fats. And number five, makes antihistamines. Now, there's probably 500 jobs, but if we said, okay, what are the top five? Those are our top five, right? But three or four days before a woman's period starts, um, connecting and disconnecting hormones becomes the most important thing. When the liver is struggling because we've got this intestinal permeability, you pop the balloons and now you got everything passed through. Three or four days before that, her breasts are going to get really tender. And when is it going to end? It's going to end when the connection disconnection stops which is typically like day one or day two of the flow, right? So those are really quick understandings. Like, you know, again, is there problems with the bowels? Is there problems with like constipation or diarrhea? Or did the bowels and the child change? Is that now like little hard pebbles or rocks? These are all signs that mom will see. And then we go like, oh, there's a problem. Intestinal permit, and it happens within about three hours. And it can last, it can last for a long period of time, but primarily what it's going to do is it's going to, from three hours to seven days is really where we want to be. That's so interesting. I had no idea about that connection. I mean, I've, I've heard of like, you can vomit after you have yeah. a concussion and things like that, but I had no idea that it was so closely tied yeah. to the gut. 
Yeah. Well, so then let's go on to number two, because yeah. the number two is the processing of the gut. Right. So when the, so there's a thing called the gut brain connection. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. And we've, we've it, luckily had a, you know, a few episodes on it, but I, I mean, it's so powerful, but run, run, tell our listeners again, you can't hear it. Enough. Okay. So, so the gut brain connection, pretty much what, what was discovered in, in neuroscience was it, it, it all started with uh, the, the 10th cranial nerve, which is the vagus nerve. And that's one of the nerves that comes straight out of the brain and goes right to the body. Now it goes to your heart and it goes to your lungs and it goes to your bladder and your stomach. And it goes to all these different places. And um, it, it's the nerve that's, that's reacts. Like, um, you know, if you're watching a scary movie and some frightening happens, you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to pee my pants. Right. That's the, that's the Vegas thing. What was interesting to find out was 90% of the information in the Vegas nerve does not go from the brain down to the heart, to the gut, to everything else. It goes from the gut to the brain. Which means and extrapolates now, and now we have science that has actually discovered this and been able to verify this and prove it, is that if the gut is not regulated properly, if the gut is full of nasty things that don't belong, that should have been pushed through in the first place, that signal is now going to be sent up to the brain. And that trauma and that difficulty that the gut's going to have is going to be exactly the same trauma and difficulty the brain's going to have. So what could that affect? Well, it certainly can affect emotions like anxiety or depression, but you know, primarily it's going to go frontal lobe, which is concentration, attention, short-term memory, uh, patience, uh, processing. Like you got to read something, you got to read it three or four times, putting things in order or sequence. All of those things are what's going to be affected with the, with the gut-brain connection. But in, and on top of that, all these neuroemotional feelings. And so, you yeah. know, we, we certainly want to be able to understand that. Here's the other part. Have you ever heard of a condition called IBS? Yes. Irritable bowel syndrome. You want to hear a crazy number? Somewhere between 70 and 80% of everyone that suffers IBS had a head trauma. No way. Yep. Research. That is so fascinating. Is that because crazy? I can't I can't tell you, Dr. Cooper, how many clients I've had who have had IBS or s- symptoms of IBS. And then we've gone right. down, you know, right. every which way. But that is, you know what? That's gonna be part of my question now, though. Yeah. If they have it. Have you right? Because that that's the yeah. second most important thing to know yeah. is that the viscera, the, the intestines are not gonna process properly. Right. So now we have this dysregulation and processing. IBS is the key. So fascinating. Isn't that crazy? And so in, in that patient orientation, you know, when somebody goes, you know, Dr. Cooper, I'm here because I have this problem. I was diagnosed with IBS. Our question is like, when did you hit your head? How long ago? Now, here's one of the things I want to tell you. This is really important. An untreated head trauma is an untreated head trauma. Okay, it doesn't matter to me if it happened last week or if it happened last year. It doesn't happen to it doesn't matter to me if it was 20 years ago. If it wasn't corrected, it's not corrected. If it's not corrected, these things are not going to heal. I could give them, you know, I I have, you know, specialty in in functional medicine and clinical nutrition. I could give them all the nutrients that I want, but if I cannot get that body to process, this isn't going to fix it. Yeah. Right? An untreated hem trauma is an untreated hem trauma. 
And I'm sure, you know, I was thinking about when you were saying, right, like, um, difficulty, like some of the symptoms, like difficulty processing, uh, maybe lapses in memory judgment. I'm sure how many people do you get to that are just like, Oh, well, I guess I'm just getting older. You know, like right. they just so, chalk it up to, uh, I'm just, especially your people, like we said over, what was it? Over 65, 71%. Yeah. 71%. 60, so, yeah. yeah. So that means like there's at least 3 million people a year that's over 65. That's, this is happening to 82,000 and something per day in America. No. Right. And so what's their family thinking now, you know, a month, two months later, like, oh, you know. They're just losing it. Maybe it's time to put yep. them in the home, right? You know, mom can't cook for herself. Let's keep her out of the kitchen. Well, those are things all must be true. And you might have to attend all those things. Yes. Let's get to the cause of it. Because if we fix the cause, the body's amazingly dynamic to be able to recover itself. Um, okay. So let's move on to step three of the protocol. Number three. That's the immune system and the regulation of the vulnerability of the immune system. Okay. So you talk about your 14-month-old. I'll tell you a story about my kids. If one of my kids fell and hit their head and I didn't adjust them with a chiropractic, adjust them within 24 hours, they fevered. It happened every time. They would fever. And I was like, oh, my God. Until I you know, finally learned a lesson. And then I learned that yeah. lesson for all my practice children. You know, So you know, now I educate parents. that like, if he takes a really good you know, bump on the head, you know, let's talk about um, what those first aids, and maybe we can talk about that in a second. But you have to understand that's going to change the immune system's ability to respond and it's going to make it vulnerable, right? And so then what are they going to do? They're going to fever. So now let's talk about first aid and let's talk about fever for just a second, okay? Because you're a new mom. Now you're obviously an educated mom, but how do you feel about your child having a fever? I mean, I don't feel great about it. I think the first thing would be like, if it's depending on the temperature of their fever, call the doctor, which they probably aren't asking, did they hit their head? Okay. So let's just go through what my protocol. These aren't everybody's protocols. These are mine. If you feel comfortable with them, use them. If you don't, it's fine with me not to. Okay. I'm only going to tell you what Cooperstown and Dr. Cooper believes. So number one, what is the purpose of the fever? Last night for dinner, uh, we had um, barbecued chicken. So why did we put the chicken in the oven in the first place? To cook it, right? And what are we trying to cook out of it? Impurities. Because if we fed our family with those impurities, what would happen? They would get sick. Mm -hmm. So what's your body's... What's your body's response to something that it identifies that's uh, sick or wrong? It's a, it's a fever. It's raised the temperature. Now, there's, there's some nuances to this. Uh, in a child, in a 14-month-old, the height of the fever really has nothing to do with the degree of the illness. Why is that? Because the, the system is so immature, it still needs to figure out at what temperature can it raise this body to to kill off whatever that invader is. So you can go from 98.6, which is normal, to like 103, like in a heartbeat. Now, Mm -hmm. if that happened to me or you, okay, there would be a big problem. But in in a child, in an infant, that's not a problem. Now, every parent's worst fear would be a seizure. Would you agree? Yeah. 
Okay. So most people, you know, most parents are like, oh my gosh, my child's at a hundred degrees. I don't want them to have a seizure. So let's just kind of go through that. Um, one of the thoughts and one of, one of the things that's a myth is that once a child has a febrile seizure, they'll always have that. That is not actually true. And that's also not true when we can re-regulate the immune system, the nervous system. That's what I do with a chiropractic adjustment. When I was in school, like 35 years ago, they said, here's your nervous system. Here's your immune system. Here's how they're connected. And that's what they knew. When I went back and did my pediatric degree, guess what? Now they know it's one and the same. It's exactly the same system. So when the nervous system is depressed, immunity is depressed. And when you boost the nervous system, you boost immunity, right? It's just what it is. So it is a myth that once a child has a seizure, they'll always have a seizure. But the correction is to make sure that their neurology is balanced. And that's what a vitalistic-based chiropractor and a pediatric-based chiropractor can do. That's what we're trained for. So that's number one. Number two, um, when we think about the fever itself, there is a certain level that I'm very comfortable with. So as long as the child or the person's fever is below 102 and a half, my feeling is let it burn. Let it, let it do its job. Yeah. You don't take the, you don't take the chicken out of the oven before it's done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you don't take the chicken out of the, out of the oven before it's done. So what we want to do is we want to allow it to burn. Now we want to keep that child comfortable. We want to keep them hydrated. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So those things I would absolutely do. And at 102, that's when you have to react. Right. I am not comfortable with you getting below, above that. But when we think about a seizure, a seizure is not going to hit until we're until about 105 to 106. And then the other concern is like, well, once a seizure, you know, what's that all about? Well, it's a radiator. It's just, it's just blowing off the, the steam off the body. It's, it's lowering the temperature. That's its normal physiological function. Brain damage doesn't happen until we get to about between 108 and 116. There's yeah. no way. We're ever going to allow nobody's ever that. Nobody's letting that happen. But it's good to know. So, like a fever, you know, like you said, which it's still is amazing to me that you say an an adjustment within 24 hours will ward off that fever. Well, you want to hear something even more amazing on that? An adjustment on a child with a fever normally changes it within seconds. That's, you know what? It's so funny, Dr. Cooper, that you're mentioning this because I am, I go to a chiropractor. And I've seen like some, some of my friends or people on social media who have their kids go as well. And I, you know, my son is still, he's little now, but it's just something I'm thinking about. Like, I mean, I know how great I feel and how much actually it's helped correct certain things, like certain parts of my posture. And do you, this is a little bit of a tangent, but do you think that kids should be seen? Like, it's kind of like, again, like, you know getting adjusted should be start from when they're little through adulthood and just be part of like your normal routine, just how we do, you know, we eat well to stay healthy. We drink water. Um, so, so the answer for you and the answer from me is yes, I do. I I do, um, agree to that. Number one. So you understand the amount of force that's being applied to a child. If you took your finger and you pushed on your eye, with the amount of pressure you can push on your eye without it hurting, that's the pressure I'm using. 
That's so it's, it's really minimal, which does make you feel yeah. better. Cause you do think about like, well, one right now I'm like, he would never stay still. Um, oh yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, funny yesterday and last week we've had four children under three weeks old. Oh my God. Yesterday, probably at least 20 children got adjusted yesterday in our office. So now why let's just, yeah, let, I was just going to say like, what's the benefit to someone under So, what old? is the most traumatic thing to the spine without doubt or without a question? Birth. It's the birthing process. Yep. I was just gonna right. Say, it's traumatic so, for everyone. Let's just say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and even for those moms that say, well, I, you know, I had cesarean, so I didn't even have a vaginal birth. Yeah. You, you, right. When a doctor is standing and pulling that child, the amount of ta- uh, amount of um, pull that's happening is between sixty and eighty pounds of pressure. So, I mean, there's some really disgusting studies that were done um, years ago in concentration camps. But but some of the data that came out of it was that ninety pounds of pressure you decerebrate, you pull the brain off the nervous system, and at one hundred twenty pounds you decapitate. That's disgusting. Yeah. But if a doctor is standing, which they do, I mean, who sits or who's on a stool in a cesarean, you're pulling at about 80 pounds of pressure. So now there's been a lot of big research studies done on every parent's nightmare called SIDS, sudden infantile death syndrome. Mm-hmm. And what the majority of them say, now there's some that say that there's a biochemical that's being injected to the child that might be a problem. But the other ones that talk about it, say it's due to trauma during the birthing process. I'm the one trained to resolve that. That's what I do. Yeah. So we educate our pregnant moms that if you're having your baby in the hospital on your way home, this is where you need to bring them. I will check if they need to be corrected. Yeah. I'm correct. No, and you know what? I'm so, I'm so glad do. you brought this up, Dr. Cooper, because now that I'm thinking about it, so we had just had, my son had a, um, a lip tie and like, you oh, know yeah. how common it is for tongue ties, lip ties. Right. And I loved our, um, doctor and she actually referred, which <laughs> reminder because they haven't called yet, but she referred us out to, um, chiropractor speech pathologist because Cause she just wants to make sure, but she said what can happen a lot of the times, which makes so much sense, especially my son came up, um, face first, they call yeah, it yeah. sunny side up. Yeah, and yeah. So they were saying, cause I was like, what's the purpose of the chiropractor? Cause I was so shocked when she told me that was one of the referrals. And she right. said how the nerves, because I also told her he had some issues latching with, with breastfeeding right. and, and latching one about, side versus yeah, was it one side said, versus the other. It wasn't one side. I think his oh, lip okay. tie did play a part okay. just from my experience as a lactation consultant. But I do think like she said, the nerves oftentimes in the back of their head, when they come out can get disrupted and it, yeah. it can lead to breastfeeding it, all these issues. And I'm like, now yeah. I feel so passionate about, just like you said, it's like, this should be part of the routine. You have a baby, you bring your baby to a chiropractor who also right. like practices in this way too. Right. right. And is supportive right. of it. Um, but so you want oh, to do a little so research as to who you're going to go to. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you want to make sure it's the right person, but there's, there's like a whole international chiropractic pediatric association. There's, yeah. there's chiropractic pediatric groups all around the world and they're phenomenal, just phenomenal. 
my so, gosh. And I was trained by the the grandfather of pediatric chiropractic, Dr. Webster. So there's a, a thing that's called the Webster technique that's used yep. many times when a, a baby is breached. And it's just simply an adjustment, but it gives the baby the the room and the space to actually make that conversion and turn. And I, I've literally had babies turn while the mom was um, excuse me, in labor. No, it's yeah, it's so fascinating. Just something else I want to spread, which obviously, like, I'm so happy we got off on that tangent, but let's all good for the sake of time, let's try to group protocol number four, five, and six. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, because I want to make sure we get through all 12. Okay. So let's go on. So, so we, we are going to talk about four by itself because it yeah. is one of the most important things and it is the blood brain barrier. So within hours, and again, three hours of a, a, a trauma, there's a barrier around your brain that protects your brain from having toxic things get into it. And it it just it just damages it just opens up like a leaky faucet and it's been three hours and and toxins can go through this so here so here's the typical scenario um person has an injury let's say an athlete that's cool we know that 15 percent of all high school athletes have said they've had a concussion either they reported or they didn't right so i mean that's a yeah. huge number so this happens with this child <clears throat> the trainer identifies it they send them to the er the ER is going to evaluate them. And typically what you're going to find is they're going to want to do a CT scan. And I think that's appropriate because if there's a brain bleed, now we got a really serious problem that a neurosurgeon is going to need to attend to. Um, and if there's not a brain bleed, typically what's going to happen is, you know, there's been all this time and all this trauma and all this dealing with the hospital and all that kind of stuff. And the guy's going to go, Hey, you know what? Great news. It's just a concussion. There's no brain bleed. You're good to go. Stay off your screen for a while. Take oh, now they're going to tell them to take something. What do you think they're going to tell them to take? What's the most Probably. common painkiller there in the well, world? I was going to say like Advil or Tylenol. Or Tylenol, something. Yeah. not Advil, not yeah, Advil, because your gut, especially with your GI tract. Right. But yeah, and, if you're right. just taking like a Tylenol to help. Tylenol. Okay. So now, question: What is the Tylenol side effect when it comes to the bread? Brain blood barrier. Tylenol opens the blood brain barrier. So it's like just me. Yeah. That's uh, a problem. Do you find, Dr. Cooper, do you go around trying to educate doctors about that just so they don't do that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because so, I just would think that'd be so powerful for, like, you know, s- medical students to hear. And it's like one thing, one doctor hears it when you think about how many patients they treat that can come in with a concussion, especially like in an urgent care or an emergency room. Yeah. Well, even think of it on this, this realm, what does the doctor's nurse, what does the pediatrician's nurse normally call and tell the mom to give a child the day before they take them in for childhood vaccines? Oh, always. It's like, yeah, it's like have them take a a Tylenol or something just to, which honestly we haven't done that um so, but you know here, yeah. here's the cool thing my oldest son is going to be turning 30 my youngest is 22 uh my oldest son with the exception of having to have surgery on his uh leg after he broke his ankle um he never had a drug in his body my kids That's have never amazing. had a tylenol we've never had a tylenol they've never had an antibiotic 
They have never had um, a potion, a lotion. So we just yeah. don't do that. Now, I'm so not good. To it. so it's a good life for the gut health, issue. too. Right. So the blood brain barrier. So, so the concern is so we're going back to that scenario. So, you know, the doctor says take Tylenol. And I mean, you know, I'm sure the kid's got a headache at that point. So they leave and, you know, the day's disrupted. So, you know, dinner's not going to be made. So the kid goes, hey, mom, can we stop and get something to eat? And let's stop at McDonald's. And, and what you have to understand is all of that junk food, all of those chemicals, sugar, caffeine, coffee, tea, chocolate, soda, energy drinks, all of that's going to pass through the blood-brain barrier. Um, those congealed oils. I mean, we talked about this crossing, on the yeah. podcast processed oils you have avocado you have like mm-hmm. fresh fish you know you process that today you have um you know something cooked in peanut oil french fries or like a chicken sandwich that's deep fried that takes your body 142 days to break down and that's going mm-hmm. straight in your brain so what would be doctor like let's say you're leaving the hospital you don't want to take the Tylenol, right? Like, or let's say right, right. mom's telling you you can't take it because she listened to this right. podcast. Right. What would be the best thing to do if like your child's complaining of a really bad headache or right, or right. your friend, family, et cetera? Right. So we need to get rid of inflammation and we need to neuroprotect. Yep. So what do we use to neuroprotect? Omega-3 oils. Oh, what company do you know that makes like omega-3 <laughs> oils? Right. I'd have to think of one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so the omega-3 oils give us neuroprotection. That's how we protect the brain. That's how we start getting rid of those poisons. We also need to reduce inflammation. What's one of the greatest, simplest, most common, natural inflammatory fighters? Turmeric. Boswellia. Mm-hmm. Those are perfect. I mean, you can even do like hemp oil. I'm not a big fan of the CBD. Um, if there's THC in it. So I don't want anything hallucinogenic, but when it says hemp, hemp typically indicates that there is zero um, THC that's in that. But that's, you know, again, you're stimulating the endocannabinoids. uh, That's your pain killing system. Then that will get rid of the inflammation that will protect the brain. Um, You know, things like ginkgo, things like uh, Korean ginseng, perfect for that. Those are our options. Most common of all is going to be turmeric because you can find it at Target. Yeah. Right? So how do we fix it? What is the best case scenario? Well, like your child, when your child hits their head, well, or, or, or when the child's born and they're born through the vaginal canal, their head's kind of funky shaped. And so how do we get their head to balance back up? Start breastfeeding. Because it's the action of sucking pops all those bones back into place where they belong. So for a young child falling and hit their head like your age child, if they're still breastfeeding, we have them breastfeed. If they're not breastfeeding, we have them drink something thick, like through like a sippy cup, right? But for this young adult, like high school age kid, what do we do? We're going to stop at like a juice place and we're going to get them a smoothie, something thick that they can suck through the straw because the action of sucking is going to reposition those bones those sutures in the skull, which are then going to help form the cartilage that's in the inside of the brain that helps the cerebral spinal fluid that heals the brain and gives nutrients to the brain and all that to flow properly. Now, what's the chemical that'll tighten that blood-brain barrier? That's glutathione. Where does glutathione come from? Dark green leafy vegetables. Oh, so here's our case scenario. Now, now this happens. Doctor says Tylenol. Mom heard this podcast and says, you know what? 
we're going to stop and get turmeric and we're going to stop at a, like a juice place and we're going to get you like a kale smoothie. And yeah. it's that dark green leafy vegetable that gives us the, the glutathione that's going to close that blood brain barrier. And now we got healing getting started. Oh, Dr. Cooper, this is so good. This I love okay. that you actually gave the realistic, like, here's the meal you want your, you know, yeah. I always keep saying child, but I mean, right. It could be your parent that just, yeah, uh, exactly. Like, and you're going to make him drink it because I'm sure some people, if we didn't actually put two and two together, would be like, right. Oh, well, I guess my son could have a milkshake. It's like, no, right. <laughs> no, we don't want the sucking. sugar. Yeah. Just right. cause that's sucking. Like, so thank you for putting that together. Right. Um, right. okay. Let's attack so, five and so six. Let's go, oh, now, yeah. now we can do four and five together or oh, five okay. and six together. Yeah. Cause five is about blood pressure. So a person that's had a concussion, a person that's had a head injury is going to have a shift in their blood pressure. It could go up, it could go down. It's going to be different. It could also change in positions. Okay. So that means that they could be laying down and then they stand up. And when they stand up, the blood pressure, keeping the same amount of oxygen and blood in the brain is going to drop. And then they feel like, whoa, I'm a little dizzy, right? That's a possibility. But we have to address the blood pressure. Okay. That's the that's the next thing. Again, well, old myth. Um, when you tr- want to try to lower blood pressure, what does almost every doctor tell people to get out of their they diet? all tell you to take out salt, which salt. Oh my God. I right. I mean, I and can't so, even go down that rabbit hole right now yeah. because it just irks me. But it's right. like, and that's also the same thing, Dr. Kruv, like with everyone, like you want to be talking about, especially when we're talking about food or nutrition, what can we add? Not what we, right. can we take away? Right. Um, selenium. Selenium is yeah. what we add. Have, have a, have two Brazil nuts, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it, uh, as in terms of, you know, the, what, what, what organ are we really going to address is going to be the liver and kidneys. So what's you know, like one of the easiest way to clean the liver uh, milk thistle, silymarin. I mean, that again, yeah. you can buy it at Walgreens. And even, you know, going back to salt, if you had low blood pressure from it, because like f- for myself, I just, oh, I typically have very low blood pressure. Like they're usually a little alarmed when I go to the doctor. But if you yeah. were to have low blood pressure, actually salting your foods can help bring it up a bit. True. But, but the other thing that I would but look is there at something is actually else? Yeah. moving on to number six on our list, okay. which is the adrenal gland and the hormones. Because we know that the adrenal gland, so the adrenal gland makes adrenaline. Adrenaline is your fight or flight. It's how well you handle stress. So adrenaline um, helps you handle stress. Adrenaline keeps the same amount of oxygenated blood in your brain whether you're laying down or standing up. Adrenaline keeps your eyes, the pupils of your eyes constricted in the bright sun. So if you said like, you know what, every time I go out in the bright sun, boy, I'm really super light sensitive. Yeah, that's an adrenal problem. The other part of the adrenal gland um, makes the corticosteroids. That's what prevents us from anaphylactic reactions. So if you've ever heard of somebody having to have the drug Benadryl, that's an adrenal deficiency. Low blood pressure is typically an adrenal deficiency. Here's the statistic. As low as 25%, but as high as 100% of people that have this trauma will have adrenal insufficiency. That means they're not going to handle stress. That means they're going to be dizzy when they change positions. That means their brain is not working in that frontal lobe where we're creative. It's going to be working more in the brain stem where everything is now cataclysmic. Right? Everything's like 
the biggest trauma ever. And, and, and believe me, your parents and people that are going to you know, comment, they're going to like, he called that on the head. Like the day after my daughter had this injury, she, you know, it, it, the world ended because she couldn't turn in her homework or because her phone wasn't charged or, or stuff like that. And, and again, it's because the adrenal and the hormones are going to be affected. Again, what about the female hormones? What about your period? What about dysregulation of that? Yeah. What about fertility and time? Um, what about growth hormone? Right. So uh, we've had these children that were like super petite and we went through this, identified that that was indeed the case, made the chiropractic adjustment, did neuroprotection, gave them the right nutrients. And they grew like a weed. And like, okay, because that's like what I was going to say. What months. do we, what do we do about this adrenal insufficiency? Like, how do we start correcting, but you, sh- but just through nutrients and, yeah, and an adjustment? Yeah. Yeah, those are those are those are our big big hits. Our next one is going to be about hydration. Number eight, I'm sorry, number seven is about hydration. So when this happens, you're going to open that blood-brain barrier, and any poison that's in that body is going to go and seep into the brain, and it's gonna it's gonna pour like a flood. And so we have to hydrate, but that also means we have to avoid anything that dehydrates. So you know, one thing is dehydrate. Well, for an adult, alcohol. But the biggest one of all is caffeine. So that's coffee, tea, chocolate, soda, energy drinks. Those have to be eliminated. And where do we want to go with hydration? Uh, In our office, we ask half of your weight in ounces, as long as there's not like a kidney problem or congestive heart failure. Yeah. Right. And and the thought of that's really simple. You spilled poison on the driveway, it's squirted down with a hose. I'm going to do exactly the same thing in each side of you. Yeah. And do you always ask, this is just something that like I continuously find that I'm asking clients. Um, I just find so many people aren't retaining a lot of the water they're drinking. Like they're not actually getting hydrated or for a lot of people that are on lower carb diets now, it's hard for them to retain it. So I'm always asking people, I'm like, do you find though, even though you're drinking maybe close to a hundred ounces a day, are you peeing all the time? And if they're like, yeah, I actually am going to the bathroom a lot we'll add in a little bit of a little bit more sodium or have them sprinkle more salt on their foods. But that's just something with hydration. I feel like I'm constantly having to educate on. Yeah. Do you, um, do you use like one of those scales that's got the, um, the percentage of water in the body? You know what I, so all of my stuff's virtual. So it all depends oh, okay. on if someone has that at their home, but yeah, usually, I mean, they can go to bed bath and beyond and buy one of those. Exactly. I mean, like and usually bucks. like we just look at like your typical symptoms. Like, do you feel like your skin is dry? Are your lips, right. you know, like, are you peeing right. a lot? Like, we'll just look at kind of signs and symptoms first and then make right. an adjustment and see right. how their body reacts and go from there. Right. Um, but I've just found it so fascinating. People can be drinking so much water and they're still right. not hydrated. Not- Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, when we think about dehydrating, I mean, one of the things we, we did kind of little in office kind of fun thing because we bought one of those, uh, water alkalizers cool. and we wanted to find out like how much water would it take to neutralize, let's say a cup of coffee, for instance, this was shocking for us to neutralize one cup of coffee took 16 glasses, the same size. Oh for us to gosh. neutralize a Coke or like, you know, dark soda yeah. to 32 glasses the same size. 
So the thing is, that person could be drinking 100 ounces of water, but if they're drinking two cups of coffee in the morning, it's, you're not hydrated. Yeah. And it's you're just like, defending against it's coffee. It's crazy. Everyone's so different too. I mean, I, for me, when I drink coffee, I have to do either a decaf or like a half cup. Cause I just feel like, I feel like it just sucks me dry. And yes. some people, yeah, they're doing like three or four cups a day. Or I really find people forget that soda and chocolate and all these other things have caffeine in them. Like people just associate caffeine with coffee and that's where it ends. And it's like, no, (laughs) there's other things we have to look at too. So I'll tell you for me personally, I've had one cup of coffee in the last 35 years Uh and I've had one soda. And that was because a really prominent person handed me like a Jack and Coke. And at that point you go like, okay, I'm just going to take it for the team. Right. Yeah. But that's honestly, I, we just don't, in my household, we just don't do that. And you have great energy. That's something I always talk to people about. Yeah, it's like exactly. Usually I mean, caffeine is like the fake energy and people right, get, exactly. you know, and it's, but it's fascinating. Okay. Um, okay. Let's go on to number, number yes. eight. Can we go that one really quick? Yep. Uh, fat consumption. So the brain is such a high level of fat. We've got to make sure that the right fats are in the diet. So fats, avocado, uh, olive oil. I mean, and make sure it's pure. Uh, good fish, um, coconut oil. Uh, what are the bad fats? Uh, corn, canola, and cottonseed, a uh, soy, a sunflower, safflower. You want Doritos? Yeah, guess what? It's made in safflower oil. Uh, peanut, palm, grapeseed. Those oils take your body, like we said before, 142 days to break down. Those are not neuroprotective. Those are, those are not the omega-3. Those are going to create the arachidonic acids. That's going to cause inflammation. You're making this problem worse. We have to change the oils. Okay. So that's in that in that kale smoothie, we're adding avocado in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Make it nice and creamy too. Now, number nine comes into what's called priming. Have you ever heard that word? Mm -hmm. Priming is when you have something that influences the outcome of something later. Okay. Okay. So. In the, in the brain, uh, we have these, these nerve cells called microglia, and this trauma is going to prime them, which means that they're now going to be susceptible to any subsequent uh, problem. And it could be something coming with age, it could be illness, it could be health status, it could be trauma, right? But that's why that secondary concussion is so critically important for us to fix. And that's why, you know, this is going to reduce the healing process. And this is why our, the omega-3 oils become critically important because now we're providing neuroprotection. We're pri- providing that microglial, the ability to um, heal itself and regenerate, right? And then that leads us to the number 10 thing. The number 10 thing is the injured neuron. So, you know, the injured neuron is the nerve cell itself. And the outside of the nerve cell is actually made what's called a, a phospholipid bilayer. It, essentially means it's a double layer of fat. And that means the right fat, the right omega oil has to be in there to protect that nerve. Because if you don't protect that nerve, things can penetrate really easily. Okay. So we call that the doorman principle. You ever heard the doorman principle? No. You're going to add this to your discussion every well, so day. So I will say we I will say I use gatekeeper a lot when I talk about okay. omega 3. So I think we're I think we're on the same pretty, wavelength pretty with that. Yeah. Right. So letting right. things so in the, and out. 
Right, exactly. Well, so the doorman principle, is it easier to keep somebody from getting in to the place you want, don't want them in, or is it easier getting them out once they're in there? It's easier to keep them from coming in. Yeah, from actually getting in there. Exactly. Absolutely. Right? You think of the drunk guy in the bar. It's a lot easier to keep him out than to try to get him out once he's like making a big scene. Which goes along with prevention too. Which is all about prevention. Yeah. Right. So number 11 is about the signaling that happening in the brain. And the signaling is going to be um, affected by mitochondria and the damage happening to the mitochondria. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It's like, it's like your cell phone. Your cell phone has a battery, right? You know, how powerful is your cell phone? Well, it's got all sorts of great powers. But if it was dead and you had no way to charge it, how good is it now? Right? It's essentially worthless. So mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. Now, why do we talk about mitochondria so often? Because if you open up the mitochondria, inside it are these tiny little things that look like batteries, right? You can think of them like batteries. They're called ribosomes, right? So ribosomes are the batteries that are inside the mitochondria. But ribosomes are different than every other organism in our body, an organelle in our body, in that they don't use DNA as their genetic code. They use RNA. Why is that important? Because what is an antibiotic? An antibiotic is an RNA scavenger. How does an RNA, how does an antibiotic identify bacteria? Just simply looks for RNA. Once it finds RNA, it just pops it out and everything connected to it dies. Mm-hmm. So now we have this problem with signaling, and this person might be on an antibiotic, and guess what it's going to do to the ribosomes? It's going to destroy the ribosomes. Yeah. And as soon as you destroy the ribosomes, you're going to destroy the mitochondria, which is the powerhouse. Now the door's wide open and everything come in. And here's, here's your connection between mitochondrial signaling and tumors and cancers. When the inside of the cell looks different than the outside, or the outside looks the same, but the inside is doing something completely different by definition, that's a tumor. That's a cancer. So interesting. So, right. So that also means like, what about, what, what does this mean to mom feeding her, you know, young high school athlete? Well, yeah, if you're buying chicken that's not organic, if you're buying meats that are been fed with antibiotics, right, you're stopping it, you know, the fast food place and you're getting a burger, who knows? You have to know because that's it. If the, I mean, you talked about being kind of a farm girl. If If the antibiotic goes into the cow, it goes into the milk. If it goes into the cow, it goes into the meat. Yeah. Can you cook an antibiotic out? No, no. you can't cook that out. So now it's in you. And what's it going to do? It's going to attack the ribosome. It's going to destroy the mitochondria and signaling stops. That's why I pay that $7. <laughs> just bought my son four cartons of grass fed, <laughs> A2 milk, $7 Ooh. each. But it's exactly. it's the best. And that's something, I mean, there's so many benefits too, but I right. was unaware of that process with the RNA. Ah, and the antibiotics. Yeah, learned something today. Oh my gosh! Oh, doctor, I'm I'm learning so much. This is like, I mean, Thank my you. first the the minute we get off, I'm going yeah. to call my son's doctor's office and be like, "Where was that referral for the That's chiropractor cool. for my nice. son? We right. need to get that booked now." <laughs> right. That's cool. So let's go on to number twelve. Yep. Number twelve is about depression. So, in in a head trauma, in a concussion. 
there's a high degree of depression in, in top athletes. You know, I said that I have a son still playing college football. If you have a college athlete that has a concussion, number one, within six months, they almost have double the possibility of damaging the shoulder labrum or the ACL and the knee. And that's just because now the eyes don't track appropriately the way they did. They mm. kind of do this like moving things. And this is part of the trauma or part of the treatment that we use to actually make this correction. But what we know is statistically about 50% of those kids that actually have a concussion and then end up having a subsequent injury will be battling depression. That that happens. And I, I have seen it firsthand. I have seen it with practice members. And we have to address that. We have to address that. And how, so like, how would you heal some, like someone who came to you who maybe had a head injury a year ago, two years ago, and they are battling depression. Is that through adjustments and nutrition or how? That's typically how we do it. So there's a, so let's talk about nutrition first. Because there was this great research done and it was done like 20, 25 years ago. And they took these people that were actually so depressed, they were suicidal and they were able to stop all their symptoms in like 30 to 60 days. But they did it by putting them on a five to one oil, five to one EPA to DHA. And so that was a critical thing that doesn't exist very often, but it does exist in like the, the, the tuna, but in the in the like the flippers and the tail fin, not in the gut. So there's there's very specific places, but that that oils, but what you know you use, yeah. and that, and that that will fix it many times. The other thing is that what I specialize, what I've had expert training is in, in what are called neuroemotional techniques, and you can find other chiropractors and naturopaths. Um, and acupuncturists that that specialize in this as well. But a neuroemotional technique is, is essentially a chiropractic technique that allows us to identify mental and emotional triggers that have been stored in the subconscious mind and just and just purge them. Yeah. And and people walk away from the depression. And, and most of the time it takes like an hour. It's very intuitive. You don't have to talk to anyone to talk. Um, but they walk away from that appointment and it's like a new lease on life. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's again, your listeners can look that up on, you know, on our website, if you, you know, if you go just onto ours, um, the Cooperstown Cairo.com, um, you can look that up and you can read about it. And then you can just search them like who's, who's close to me that uses something similar to this. There's a lot of different techniques. The one that we, again, we've um, modified over time. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that it's exactly, you know, the protocol that others have created, but there's a a technique called BEST, bioenergetic synchronization technique. There's a technique that's called network. Um, There's a, um, there's another one called NET. And I think that's a neuroemotional technique, but those are all uh, emotional techniques. So, I mean, the thing is, is that if, you have a person that's battling this, this can be really serious. And this, this is just one of those things you just got to be alert to and, um, you know, do your homework on, but get, get that person help. Well, just yeah, it's, I mean, it's life threatening, like you said, for the right. people who are suicidal. Okay. My right. last question before I want you to tell everyone how they could work with you or someone who practices your protocol 
And this is kind of a personal one for me. But what would you say, Dr. Cooper, especially having two kids who have played football all of their life, especially at a collegiate level? I mean, I definitely have the fear, and I know a lot of parents of my son's not going to play football or I'm scared if he does. Right. And obviously we've talked about, there are so many other ways you can get concussions, but are you at much more of a greater risk or like, do you see so many more injuries or just what, I'm just curious your personal thoughts on it. So uh, I'll tell you my thoughts and I'll tell you the statistics. The statistics are soccer has a significantly higher incidence of concussions in football. Good to know. And yeah. And, and, and again, because you're going, you know, if you, if you impact, you're going head to head. You're you doing head to head or ball. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's no so protection. many. Yeah. Right. Um, secondarily to that, um, you know, soccer players can head the ball. They're, they're talking about trying to take that out of the high school game, at least here in California. Um, and they're, they're looking at like, how can they make that safer? Uh, for me, what, what my thought was, was that most kids that want to play football um, don't really start until their high school age. And at that point, now you've got puberty that's coming in and you've got some aggression that's coming in. You've got a ton of testosterone. And so these kids, these boys want to jump in there and just like go full on. And what I thought to myself was, you know what, if I'm going to allow my boys to participate in the sport that I played as well, you know, when I was a child, the one thing I want to do with them is I want to give them the ability to learn how to do things appropriate before they hit that big puberty jump. So I honestly felt better about my kids playing the little league football, like the pop Warner football, because it gave them the opportunity at a young age to learn techniques as to how to do things. And, um, and, and so that was, that was where my opinion was, was like, it, it's all about technique. It's the same thing when you go to the gym and you're yeah. working with your trainer, you know, she says, you know, it's about technique. Don't, don't hurt yourself. And so, you know, I, I, I think that the, there's the equipment now is more protective. Um, I did invest in my younger son. I did invest in a helmet. That's a thousand dollars that was specifically designed to minimize the impact uh, going, you know, through it. And yeah. to him. And so, you know, that's, that's one of the things. So, you know, the quality helmet, all helmets in all levels of football have to be recertified, which means they have to be rechecked and guaranteed that they're going to be good to use. And after a certain amount of time, and I don't remember how long it is, but I think it's four or five years. Do you remember how long it is that a helmet can stay certified? Yeah. But I mean, how long can they use it while it's being recertified? Oh uh, yeah, my son who played college football said it's, it's only a few years, so oh, it's, it's only cool. like that's really good yeah. to know. And I'm glad to know the soccer tidbit too because I feel like that was kind. Of, we're like maybe not football, but he can play soccer. Yeah. <laughs> so we're I'm like the perfect audience for it. Well, Dr. Yeah. Cooper, this has been like beyond you know, helpful for not only myself. I know our listeners, and I would love for you to tell everyone one. You know, if they're not living in Southern California or can come see you in person, yeah. is there a way they could either work with you or how yeah. could they find a chiropractor in their area that is practicing, you know, 
the same protocol and has a similar mindset? Yes. So, um, number one, we are in Southern California. So we're in a city called Fullerton and it's the city North of Disneyland. And for those people that do have these severe, um, issues with a family member, normally what I do recommend is to fly out here and just spend a week. With yeah. Them. And, and honestly, I, I, we have that happen all the time. Like within the last uh, two months, we had a girl from Brooklyn and we had a lady from uh, um, Kentucky. So, and we literally have two big hotels right across the street. So, I mean, you got a place to stay. If that's, that's not in the ability for you, um, you know, we have a lot of data that we want you to learn about. And you can find that off of our website, which is Cooperstown. So just like you see Cooperstown, like the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? Cooperstowncairo.com. And, and that's a way that you can actually touch in to communicate. If you have a problem that needs to be addressed, uh, part of what we have created was we took all that research data we talked about that came out of Harvard and we made it functional. And what we're doing is we're teaching doctors throughout the world how to do what we do. So Amazing. we do have a, a network to where, and we, we're still working on the full resource because we don't have everybody everywhere yet, but that is the intention. The intention is to have somebody that's trained to be able to do what I do that can articulate things as quickly and easily as I did, uh, that can save you and your family. Um, and we want them in every neighborhood. So That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah. So, um, my, 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 a recommendation would always be um, you can you can certainly reach out to us and we can help you find somebody that's got the clinical ability or the pediatric specialty or the functional medicine um, capacity and, um, and and we can just help guide you through that. No, oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cooper. I mean, like I said, my mind is just blown after this one, and I will be immediately calling my son's doctor for that yes. uh, chiropractic referral and following up. Um, but thank so, and you I, and I had asked you, yeah. I had asked you in the beginning, did you watch the um, the webinar, the, podcast, from, the mm-hmm. webinar with yeah. the, the healthcare professionals? Like, not yet. It wouldn't be a you know. Well, now I'm so glad like, I didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, because. It's like, I mean, you got my real and true reactions to learning things for the first time. And, and that's what I'm assuming all of our listeners are reacting and sitting there with, I'm sure if you took out that pen and paper, it's pretty filled up by now. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would tell you too, is that, you know, um, I come to find that, you know, some people like things really quick and easy, but this is one of those things, one of those podcasts where people I, I would really watch it several times and note yeah. and den- and identify and understand it and really dig in deep. This is this is one of the ones that you really, really, really did need to dig in deep because you know if, if you're that mom that wants to keep your family healthy and safe, this is just data that you need to know. Yeah, no, and it's so it's so important and it's happening more and more and going unnoticed, like you said, so many times too. And again, it's a lifespan, right? Like it hits every single age group. So it's something you want to honestly continue to be learning as well. Like as research changes and um 
so who knows, maybe we'll have to have you back, Dr. Cooper, in a couple of years and see if there's anything um, new. A couple of years. <laughs> maybe a, actually a couple let's, months. Honestly, yeah, let's go like, on another things topic. Change. Things yeah, change just, all the time. I would love decide that. Decide what your next most exciting topic is and we'll, we'll go over that. I'm going to take you up on that. Well, thank you uh, so much, Dr. Cooper. And hopefully we will connect again soon. Yes, ma'am. It was nice to talk to you. This week's actionable step goes back to listening to your body. And if in the past you or one of your family members has had a physical trauma and things still don't seem to be right, please seek out help. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, please follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.